What's better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. You're listening to an audio teaching from Cross Connection Church Houston. We're a small church located in Pasadena, Texas, and it is our mission to save the lost, equip the saved, serve both the lost and saved, and to send the equipped. To this end, we teach through the Bible on a verse-by-verse basis, starting at the beginning of a book and working until the end. If you would like to learn more about our church, you can find us at connectedtojesus.org or check us out on Facebook at Cross Connection Church Houston. We pray that this teaching would grow you in the grace and love of Jesus Christ our Lord. We've been looking at laws that God has been giving to the judges of Israel to show how to justly punish uh, those who break laws. And tonight I want us to look at something that helps us to keep laws. Uh, Because as much as it's nice to know that there are just punishments, that there are punishments that don't exceed the crime, and that there are punishments that actually justly deal with the crime, uh, it's nice to not actually have to receive the consequences of the crime because you actually haven't done it. Uh, And so I want to look tonight at what helps prevent us from breaking the commandments of God. And really one of the most important things to keep the laws that God has given us is love. You see, the most important commandments in the Bible are connected with what we love. Uh, Tonight, we'll look at two of those. God says, really, all the commandments are summed up really in two commandments, and they come back to what it is that you and I love. And we're also going to see two commandments that the Bible says there are things that that we shouldn't do that, that are also connected to what we love. And so what we love can be a great source to help us obey the commandments of God, but they also can be a great hindrance, uh, because if we're loving the wrong things, then that love is going to hinder our obedience. If we're loving the right things, then our love is going to help the obedience that we have to doing what God commands us to do. And so there's three things I want us to look at tonight. First, I want us to look at three ways in which we demonstrate love. And the purpose of this is just to kind of give yourself an evaluation for how you love the things that we'll be looking at tonight to determine whether you're loving what you should or to determine whether you're loving what you shouldn't uh, and then hopefully make the proper corrections as you do that. And so after we look at these three things to help determine what you love, we're then going to look at two commandments of what we should do and then following that with two commandments of what we should not do do. And both of those are connected to what we love. And so hopefully by the end of this teaching, we'll see that, you know, what we love is vital to obedience. What we love has a direct influence and impact on how we obey the words and the meaning and everything that God gives. But it's also something that could cause us to stray if we love the wrong things. So let's start by looking at three things that clearly demonstrates, you know, what you love. It's not an exhaustive list by any means. Uh, There are many more things that we can do that would demonstrate our love for something. But I think these are three good ways, three good things to evaluate in your life, uh, give you kind of a measuring tool as you look at this to say, do I love this or not? Because sometimes I think we convince ourselves that we love something, and really these things will show that maybe that we don't love it like we thought, or we think, oh, I don't love that, and these things show us, actually, you do. Uh, and so the first way that we demonstrate that we love something is by giving it our time. So this is a great measuring tool. Where you invest your time uh, is a really good way to determine if you love something or not. 
For example, if someone spent a lot of time watching the Astros, going to Astro games, talking about the Astros, you can be pretty good in determining, hey, you know what, I think this person loves the Astros. The fact that they give it so much of their time, they go, they watch, they, they talk about it, you know, this reveals their love for the Astros. Because what someone chooses to do with their time usually demonstrates how much they love that thing. Actually, I would say time is oftentimes a better indicator of your love than even words are. For example, if a husband says that with his words that he loves his wife, that she's a a huge priority in his life, but yet he never spends any time with her. Do you think those words of, oh, I love you, you're a big priority, will really mean much when the actions don't back it up? When there's no time with her, you're going to see, well, you don't really love me. You don't really want to spend time with me. I'm not a priority to you because you're never with me. So you can say it all you want, but the time proves whether or not it's truly something you'd love. Where we invest our time usually shows what we love. So a good thing for each of us to do is to evaluate where we spend our time. And I want to emphasize especially our free time. Because if you just throw out time in general and say, all right, write down your schedule and put all the hours that you spend doing different things, you'll have a problem because typically all of us are going to have the majority of our time spent at work. And so what I want to do is, especially our free time, when you have the time to choose what you're going to do. Because, you know, yeah, if you, if you want to provide for your family, you want to earn money, you know, there's, there's a necessity to be at work. Or if you're studying for a job, there's a necessity to be at school. Uh, but after that, there is a free amount of time that you have. And the question is, you know, how do I invest my time when it's now free for me to choose what I'm going to do with it? And that, I think, is a great determiner of what I really love. Because, you know, if it's just work, I'm sure most of us say, yeah, you know, I'm putting in 40, 50 hours a week or maybe more into this job. And I wouldn't say I love it. I don't love cleaning pools, but, you know, that does take a lot of my time. Uh, And so, but what am I doing with my free time? What are you doing with your free time? I think that's a great way to really look at what we love or what we don't. Now, in order for time to demonstrate love, I think it also needs to be connected with attention. Because when you spend time with someone and you don't give your attention, that usually doesn't equate to love. For example, if a husband spent time with his wife but didn't pay attention to her, you know, she was talking, he wasn't listening, you know, would she feel like, oh, this is time that shows love? No, I mean, this would be time that actually demonstrates you don't care about me, you're not willing to listen to me, you're not willing to, to give me the attention that I need, and oftentimes wives complain their husbands do this. They aren't paying attention. Instead, they're looking at the TV, looking at their phone, watching some you know, sporting event or whatever that you know, you're giving time with me, but not really to me. You know, there's no real attention there. And so when we have time and attention together, we title that quality time. And that's the kind of time that is really the time that I think demonstrates the most amount of love. You know, close to one of Jenny's birthdays, right when we first got married, my sister was in Germany, and I wanted to do something special for her, and I knew she loved musicals, and so, you know, I call up my brother-in-law and say, hey, let's go find a musical in Germany, you know, and it'll take Jenny out for this, it'll be special, it'll be great, and so he's like, well, there's no musicals on right now. It's like, oh, okay, well, what is on? Well, there's this opera. All right, let's do the opera. Musicals, operas, what's the big deal? There's not a huge difference. Actually, there is, but um, so we go to this opera, and it's a Russian opera, 
but it's in Germany, so it has German subtitles. So we are clueless. They're singing in Russian. The, ger- the subtitles are in German. We don't have a clue what's going on. It's just like dark, dreary scene. You know, it's like has one tree in this bed, and they're singing, and it's just like we were in the back row, and like 30 minutes in, I knew no one loved this because we were all asleep. Uh, and so, you know, none of us gave it our attention or our time, which demonstrates the fact that we thought it was horrible. Um, but uh, so when you give something quality time, your time and attention, it definitely demonstrates you love it. So a good thing for us to evaluate is, you know, where are we giving that quality time to? Who are we giving that quality time to to help us see what we really love? So time is a great thing to, to evaluate our love. Another way we demonstrate we love something is by giving it our treasure. This might be the big area for a lot of people, maybe even the struggle for a lot of people, where you invest your money, where you invest your resources. You know, that really is a telling sign for what you actually love. And I think a lot of people will claim, I love something, but if we were to take out their bank accounts, look at their bank statements, look at where they invest, look at where they spend their money, you're going to see where they love in this area of treasures. Uh, and really, the more you spend on certain things, it often determines and shows your greater love for that. And just like time, there are certain things that you know, are kind of necessities, like work, but it's not really I love it. You know, with bills, there are necessities as well that you don't typically love. And so, you know, once again, you know, after your necessary bills are paid, what do you do with your money? Uh, I think that's a great way to determine what you love. You know, this is something you see a lot at Christmas time. You know, when got, buying gifts for people, you typically spend more on those you love more. Uh, you know, and if you have some like distant cousin that you feel obligated to give to, but you don't really want to, you know, it's like there's a $5 bill in a card or maybe a, you know, whatever, something that is, you know, monetarily not very much, but then that person you really care about, you typically give far more to. You know, when people love a sports team or a band, you know, they're willing to spend absurd amounts of money. You know, I know when, you know, Auburn Tigers were in the national championship, some of Jenny's family are like diehard fans. You know, one ticket is like, you know, two or three thousand dollars to go to this game and people are spending it. It's like, man, just buy yourself a monster, you know, flat screen and watch it at home. But, you know, it's just we love this team so much. It doesn't matter. We're going to spend the money so we can be there or certain, you know, Bands come in and people are willing to spend obscene amounts of money to go watch them. But, you know, for others, clothes, musical instruments. You know, you see people who are musicians and they'll spend lots and lots of money. You know, maybe they're real frugal in other areas, but it's like, well, now I'm going to buy the best computers, cars. You know, you'll spend things on the things that you love. You know, in Mexico City and other places in the world, one of the biggest money makers is to kidnap members of other people's family. Why? Because they know, hey... If you love that person, you will give anything we ask to get them back. You know, whatever you have, you willingly give it up in order to get that person back. Why? Because you love them. So what you spend your treasure on usually shows what you love. And that's another great evaluation of our life. Not just time, but what am I investing in? What am I giving my money to? What am I giving my resources to? That's going to show me who I love, what I love. And it's, you know, maybe I'll be a... more aware of that. Maybe I'm convinced of something that's not true. And I look at my bank account and I realize, yeah, I'm claiming one thing, but my bank account doesn't actually reflect that very well. So the first thing that demonstrates what we love is time. Second is treasures. And the third is our talents. You know, the Lord has given each one of us different talents, 
different giftings, and how we use those or who we use those for demonstrates who we love, demonstrates what we love. You know, when we pursue with those talents and giftings, we, we use them for the glory of ourselves, for the benefit of our own life. Well, guess what? It shows we love ourselves. You know, if I only use the talents I have for my benefit, for my enrichment, for my glory, then yeah, I got a lot of love for me. But when I use my talents and giftings for the benefit, for the glory of God, it demonstrates a love for him. Or if I do it for other people, it demonstrates a love for them. When we use our talents and gifts for worldly pursuits, you know, it demonstrates a love for the world. And so what we're using this for can kind of help us determine and see and evaluate what we actually love. And so I want us to do that as we're going to move into these two things that we should do and these two things that we shouldn't do. Just keep in mind your time, your talents, your treasures. These are three areas that really kind of demonstrate love. And I want us to evaluate as we go through this to kind of see where am I at in these things? Am I truly loving the things I should? And am I not loving the things that I shouldn't? So let's go to two things that we should love. Two things that Jesus says really sums it all up. If you want to sum up everything that God's commanded, do these two things and you'll be all set to go. Matthew 22, verse 35 through 40 says this. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked Jesus a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So when they come and they ask Jesus, you know, what are the, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus says, well, there's two. The, the greatest one of all is love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then there's another that's you know, close to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two, hang all the law and prophets. This kind of sums it all up. You do these two, then you'll be fine. You'll keep everything else. Love God, love others. And notice here that, you know, both these commandments are connected with what we love. We need to love God with all that we are. We need to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And I want us to evaluate where our love for God is, where our love for others is, by looking at the time, the treasures, the talents. You know, how does that demonstrate love or lack thereof towards God and towards others? Let's start with God. Do you give God quality time every day? When you look at just time and the time being, you know, a great determiner of whether you love something, when it comes to God, are you giving him time? You know, especially that time where it's like, okay, you know, I have these, you know, priorities of I have to go to work, I have to provide. Okay, when I had the free time in my life, how much of it is devoted to God? How much quality time do I give to God every day? You see, the more you grow in your love for God, it will be seen in an increased amount of time. You see that with new Christians, you know, if they're given five minutes, ten minutes to the Lord, it's like, hey, great, good starts. But hopefully as you develop that relationship with the Lord, more and more quality time has been given to him. If you're not spending time with God, that shows another thing. It shows a lack of love. 
You know, if you can go weeks and months without ever opening your Bible, without ever praying, without ever investing in your relationship with God, and then you turn around, oh, I love God so much. Well, actually, you don't. <laughs> time demonstrates it. The fact that you don't spend any time with him shows that that's not true. Just like if I were to be like, oh, you know what? I haven't spent any time with Jenny for a month. Oh, I love Jenny so much. She sets a priority to me. It's like, well, no, those statements don't go hand in hand. If that's true, then I'd be giving her quality time. You know, I discovered that giving God your time, even when you don't want to, helps you start to love it. Yeah, that's a struggle because it's like, I don't want to. I don't feel like it. You know, I don't even think I'm going to get anything out of it. And that's where a lot of people are. And I've discovered that, you know what, if you will just be disciplined and do it, you start to love it. Why? Because the person you're spending time with is so lovable. You know, sometimes you spend time with people and the end result is, I don't want to spend any more time with that person because they're a jerk, because they're hard to be with, because they're miserable, because whatever. But that's not God. You know, you give time to God, even when you don't feel like it, even when you don't think it's going to benefit you, you always will leave with like, wow, why haven't I done this more often? Why don't I spend more time with him? Because he is so wonderful that you just give him time and you will benefit from it and it will encourage you to give him more time. Another important question to ask is, do I give people in my life quality time every day? Because maybe you're like, me and God are good. I give God time all the, you know, every day, he and I, in his word, in prayer, in worship, you know, I give God that time. But are we also loving people? Are we giving people, at least especially the people that are close to us that God has placed into our life, are we giving them quality time every day? Because in order to love your neighbor as yourself, this is part of something you have to do. You can't love your neighbor as yourself if you don't give them any time. You never spend any time with them. You never see them. You never talk with them. You know, it's not possible to demonstrate the kind of love that God is calling us to do. So as we evaluate where we're at in our love for God, where we're at in our love for others, quality time is a great way to determine, you know, where I'm at in my love for God and my love for other people, you know, to kind of show us, you know, maybe it's a wake-up call. Maybe we're thinking, oh, I love more than I do. Uh, and, you know, this is kind of a good thing to, to check yourself to see, you know, if that's really the case. Another thing we need to evaluate is how we spend our treasures. How are you spending your money? How are you spending your resources? Is it demonstrating a love for God? Is it demonstrating a love for other people? See, if you love God, you're going to be investing your treasures in the things of God. You'll be tithing to support your local church. You'll be giving to missions to support the work of God in the world. Giving to needy to support the people that God loves and died for. You love others, you're going to be investing in them. You know, I think a good, honest question we should ask ourselves is how much of my money and resources are spent on others, not me? This is something that I think is such a important question to pose. How much of my money, how much of my resources are spent on others and not me? You know, and if you kind of look at your bank account and you look at all that you spend and you conclude, hey, you know what? Everything's on myself. You know, all that I spend is on me. It's all about me. I buy all that I want. And if I look at everything, really, it's on nobody else. What does it show me? I love myself a lot. I don't love others very much. You know, you can kind of see where you invest, who you love. Now, for some, you know, I look at my dad, you know, and we would always look and he'd have 
holes in his socks and his underwear and his shirts. And he'd be like, Dad, buy some new stuff. He's like, no, you guys need the stuff. And he was always first like, hey, I want to make sure you guys got what you need. And then, you know, don't worry about me. Because he was more concerned and loved us more than he even did about getting his stuff that's practical stuff that he could have been benefited by and used. And so as we evaluate where we're at in our love for God, we need to look at where are we spending our treasures? Where are we spending our money? Where are we spending our resources? Because that's going to show whether or not we're really demonstrating love for God in that particular area of our life. And I do want to throw that out because you can be saying, you know what, I'm doing great with time. You know, I'm giving God lots of time. But you know what, this other area of treasures might be not one that you've submitted to the Lord. You know, the money's mine. I earn it, I work hard for it, I'll spend it as I want, instead of, no, my time is God's, my treasures are God's, and I'm going to give them to him. And so, you know, this is one of those areas where it's a great way to evaluate where you're at in your love for God. Another thing we need to evaluate to see if we love God and others is how we use our talents. You know, we've all been given talents, we've been given gifts, you know, and we look at that, it's God-given, you know, but how am I using those? Am I using it just for me to better my life, to get a better job, to get more money, to just, you know, increase and, and get more for myself? Or am I using those gifts, those talents for the Lord to increase his kingdom, to bring glory to him? And once again, it just kind of shows, you know, am I loving myself or am I loving others through this? You know, one, one thing we see about the way that God designed the church to function, unfortunately, it doesn't always function this way, but the way that God wants it to function is he says, you know what, every single person who has put their faith in me has a gift. I've given them one, and the Spirit of God dwells within them, and I want them to come to church to use their gift, to serve the body of Christ in the particular way that I've gifted them, and then the body is like, this body, the, the body of Christ, you know, we see in Scripture as this picture of a human body. And it's like, you know what, if only the head's working, then we don't have arms working, we don't have legs working, we don't have these other things. But if everybody brings their gifts, then the body can function the way it should. Now, statistics show, and this is just the church world as a whole, this doesn't mean that every church is like this, but sadly, statistics show that only 10% of the body of Christ as a whole serves, use their gifts which means 90% of people are just coming and watching 10% of people use their gifts, watching 10% of people serve, watching 10% of people do all the work while 90% of people just sit back and enjoy the benefit of what the other 10% are doing. And that's not the way that God designed it. He doesn't want 10% doing it all while 90% watch. He says, no, I've given you all gifts and show you love me and show you love the body of Christ and others by using your gifts not just for your own benefits, but to benefit and to serve other people. So as we evaluate our love for God, as we evaluate our love for others, these are three great areas to look at. Where am I spending my time? Am I investing time with God? Do I have that regularly happening? Is it quality time? With other people, do I see the same? Where am I investing my treasures, my resources, my money? What am I doing with the talents that God has given me? You know, all these things will help me evaluate, do I really love, as Jesus says, the two greatest commandments, love God, love others? How am I doing there? And like I said, you, you, one area you might be doing well, one area you might be doing poorly, 
And so my challenge to you, if you look at an area where, you know, I'm not doing well with time with God, well, ask him to help you with that. Lord, I realize I'm not showing you love in time. I give time to watching, binge watching Netflix, and I give time to this or that. Why am I, I'm not giving time to you? I don't know. I want you to help me do that because I want to change and love you more. Lord, I give you lots of time, but I'm not willing to give you my treasures. I'm not willing to give you my money. You know, I want to keep it all. I want to spend it all on myself or my family or whoever. Lord, help me to give to your work. Help me to give to those in need. Help me to give to those doing work across the world so I can help your kingdom spread. Lord, let me use the talents you've given me, not just to provide, but also to bring glory to you. So those are two commandments. Love God, love others. The two greatest commandments, according to Jesus, they kind of sum up everything. If you're loving God, hey, you're going to worship him. You're not going to take the Lord's name in vain. You know, you're going to only serve him. Hey, if you love others, you're not going to murder them. You're not going to steal from them. You know, you're not going to commit adultery against them. You know, it just shows if you can just love God and love others, you'll keep the rest of the commandments that God has given. And now I want us to look at two things that are commanded of us that we should not do. And they're also connected to what we love. So the two most important of what we should do are connected to what we love. And now we're going to look at two very important things we should not do that are also connected with what we love. And once again, I want us to evaluate where we're at by looking at our time and our treasure and our talent and if they're being used for these things or not to show the kind of love we have towards that. First John. Chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, gives us these two things. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So here John in verse 15 starts off with two things, just like Jesus said, here are the, the two greatest commandments. Here are two commandments of things you should not love, should not do. And those two things are the world and the things in the world. Don't love them. Love God, yes. Love others, absolutely. Do not love the world or the things in the world. Now the Greek word that John uses here translated world uh, is cosmos. It means the ungodly multitude, the whole mass of men alienated from God and therefore hostile to the cause of Christ, the whole circle of earthly goods, endowments, riches, advantages, pleasures, etc., with which hollow and frail, fleeting, stir desire, seduction from God and are obstacles to the cause of Christ. So the world is ultimately the community of sinful humanity that is united in rebellion against God. And the things of the world are just sinful things. Sinful things that will draw us away from God. Sinful things that are opposed to God. Sinful things that keep us from that good relationship from, uh, with him. And so John is saying, hey, don't love the sinful world or the sinful things of the world that are so often presented to us as temptations to indulge in. Now, something important for us to understand is the world wants us to love it. The world wants us to entertain ourselves with it. And so this command, don't love the world, don't love the things in the world, you might think, oh, it's simple, easy. No, it's not. And the reason it's not is because the world is desperate for us to love it 
and is doing so much to cause us and entice us and tempt us to love it. They use advertisements and commercials and movies and TVs. You know, the internet is full of it. You know, we have cell phones at our disposal that, you know, can engage in all sorts of things. Social media is a great platform for the world to use to entice us and draw us in to loving what his, it has to offer, to loving what it says is important, to, to following the things that it wants us to follow. You know, this is one of the things that in our society today, we look at, you know, the advancement of technology and think of, wow, what difference it's been, even from when I was a kid to now, and I think of when my parents were kids to now, but you know what? There's a sad reality to it as well. We're connected far more in the world than ever before. We have advancements far more than ever before. You know, there's a lot of benefits that come from this, but there's also problems. And one of the big problems is that we have more things to draw us into loving this world than ever before. We have more things that are bombarding us than ever before. You know, more things that are just at our disposal, in front of us all the time, in our pocket. You know, we have access to all this stuff 24-7, and it's just bombarding us and sucking us in and causing us, and at least trying to, to love it. we got to be careful. It's not an easy battle to win because so much is coming at us. But once again, I want us to evaluate, okay, well, are we winning this battle? When it comes to love for the world, love for the things of the world, how are we doing in this battle? And there's three areas that we can evaluate. How am I doing in my time, in my treasures, and in my talents with regard to love for the world? So a great first question to ask is, are there worldly things that I'm giving my time and attention to? And just look at your schedule. You know, I've asked you to kind of look at how much time are you giving to God, but if you just look at your time in general, how much of your time and attention is spent on worldly pursuits? Spent on things that aren't godly, that are sinful, that are not helpful, that are drawing you away from God instead of benefiting you in your relationship with God. And maybe some things are more neutral, they're not necessarily sinful, but they're also not helpful. And maybe you want to say, you know what, maybe some of these things need to go so I can spend more time with God. But I want you just to look, are there things of the world that you are giving time to? Maybe I'm giving a lot of time to. And what is that going to demonstrate to you? Well, it's going to demonstrate that you've got a great love for that. And for a lot of Christians, you know, Sunday, yeah, I'll come to church. I'll give that hour, hour and a half to singing some worship songs, to listening to a teaching, maybe even say a prayer. And I'll think, oh, I love God. Well, if the other six days of the week, all you're doing is giving your time to the things of the world, guess what? You love the world a lot more. And so we got to be careful. What is it we're investing our time in will be a great determiner for us of what we're really loving. And maybe there's something specific and that you know. You know there's a sin. You know there's a temptation. You know there's something that I give my time to regularly. Or maybe it's not so regularly, but anytime you do it, you know it's wrong. Well, that's something they're showing. Hey, i got a love for that that needs to end. I'm enticed by that. I'm tempted by that. I give into that often. And I would encourage you, ask the Lord to help you overcome that because it's demonstrating a love for something that God says, don't love, don't do, stay away from. Second, we show we love things in the world by giving it our treasures. So another great question to ask ourselves is, are there worldly things that I give my treasures, my money, my resources to? Just like I can show, hey, Christmas time demonstrates typically who I love the most because I spend the most on them. Look at your bank account. And you're going to be able to see, maybe, you know, there's a lot of worldly things that you are investing in, that you are purchasing, that you are giving your resources towards that are going to help you see, you know what, this shows, you know, I spend on it. 
I don't have to. I'm choosing to. And it's demonstrating a love for something that I need to get away from. It's demonstrating a love for something that God tells me I shouldn't be loving. And I need to change my spending habits. I need to change what I'm giving my resources to because I'm wasting them on sinful things when I should be using them for beneficial things and godly things. Third, we show we love things by giving it our talents. Another good question to ask is, are there worldly things that I'm giving my talents to or pursuing with my talents? And this is a big struggle for us. And you look at a lot of young people, and we ask them the question, you know, what do you want to do with your life? And for many of them, the pursuits that they have, the desires that they want are filtered through what the world is telling them is important, what the world is telling them they should do. And sadly, there's this desire, this longing, this pursuit for things that are oftentimes just things, some are neutral, not necessarily bad, but you know they have no real godly connection to them. And some are just blatantly sinful. Uh, oh, this is what I want to do with my life. And this is what I want to pursue. And we got to be careful with like, hey, what is it that I'm really living for? You know, what am I using my talents to achieve? Uh, you know, am I working hard just because I want to make a lot of money for me and I want to be famous and powerful and, you know, because I, I want my name to be known or, or am I really concerned with God's fame and God's power and his name being known and, and him growing or, or is it all about me? So we have to really look at, you know what, how am I using what God's given me, the talents he's given me, the giftings he's given me? Is it for him, for his glory or for my own or for even worse? sinful pursuits and pleasures that clearly demonstrate a love for the world and the things of the world. And so here's three things. We can look at them to, to see where we're at in our love for God and others. We also can see that where we're at in our, our love for the world and the things of the world, how we spend our time, how we spend our money, and how we use our talents will show us where our love truly is. And maybe We've been deceiving ourselves into thinking we love something more than we do. And this evaluation will help you to recognize, you know what? No, I'm not loving in this area like I should and something needs to change. Or actually, I have a love for something that I shouldn't and things need to change. But I want to read the rest of what John shares with us because he gives us some important information. Verse 15, he tells us what cannot be in us if we love the world. If we love the world, notice he says the love of the father is not in us. And this is such an important reality because I think too many Christians miss this. You can't love both, but that's what we want. Well, can't I just love the world and the Father at the same time? I mean, can't I just go to church on Sunday and come on Thursday night and, you know, love God those days and then love the world and the things of the world, you know, and the other days of the week? Can't I just do both? Isn't that just fine? Just have a love for more than one? Well, not according to God. Jesus says the same thing in Matthew 624. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or money, riches. Jesus is really, hey, there's only one master that can be master of your life. If you want to try to have God as your master and the things of this world as your master at the same time, guess what? You're going to have a problem. You're going to love the one and hate the other. And what Jesus is revealing is the love for the world is ultimately going to steal from your love for God. And that's going to be the thing that you truly love because you can't love it and God at the same time. You're going to serve the one and you're going to despise the other. And it doesn't start that way. 
It doesn't start with, I despise God and I just want to love the world. No, it just starts with, I want to love both. And over time, the love for the world increases and it starts to despise God and your love for him decreases because the world and the things of the world get in the way of that relationship. And so we can't have both. And this is something we struggle with. I know I struggled with this in my early Christian life of wanting both. You want my cake and eat it too. I want to have one foot in the world and and the pleasures that I I remember having in the world. And and I want to also have, you know, hey, the benefit of a relationship with God and the blessings that he gives. And, oh, I can have the best of both worlds. But you can't. You either go completely for one or for the other. Actually, Jesus speaks of being lukewarm as like the worst place. I'd rather you be hot or cold. I'd rather you be on fire for me or running from me. I hate when you're in that lukewarm place of trying to be both. And sadly, a lot of Christians are in that place. We need to realize you can't love God and love the world and the things of the world at the same time. John and Jesus tell us it doesn't work. But notice what John says in verse 16. He tells us why someone can't love the world and God at the same time. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Well, why can't I love the Father and love the world at the same time? That doesn't make any sense to me. Why can't I just love both? Well, John gets a little deeper here, explains why it's not possible. Why? All that's in the world, everything that is in the world, ultimately is not of the Father. They're opposed to one another. The things of the world and the things of God are completely opposite to one another. And this is why you can't love one and the other at the same time. A love for one ultimately reveals a hatred for the other because you're loving something that is opposed. It goes against the other. So you're trying to love God and love the world, which is opposed to God and against God. Ultimately, what that shows is a hatred to the things of God and who he is because I'm loving something that's completely against him. And that's why it's not possible to do both. And the more I love this world, the less I'm going to love God because everything in this world is against him. But the opposite is also true. The more I love God, the less I'm going to love this world because everything of God is against and opposed to this world. And so the more I invest my time and my treasures and my talents in my relationship with God, I'm going to naturally love the world less. And that's the positive because so many Christians are looking for how can I move from this love for the world and the things of the world to a love for God and the things of God. And one of the best things is spend lots of time with God. Your love for him will increase, and as your love for him increases and your understanding of him increases, your love for the world will seek to decrease through that. And it's a great way to change and grow. John gives us three things that describes what this world is like. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's a great description, and it's completely opposed to God. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The Greek word translated lust means a desire, craving, and longing for what is forbidden by God. Something that's opposed to him. The flesh is the sinful nature of man opposed to God. So the lust of the flesh are those sinful desires that our fleshly nature has. The lust of the eyes are those things that we see with our eyes that are forbidden by God. Those things that we desire, those things that we crave and want, but but we're not supposed to have because God says no. Pride is that arrogant conceit, that lack of humility, that thought that I know better. God, you don't know what you're talking about. I know best here. Enlisting these three aspects of the world 
I think John has in mind the very first pursuit of the love of worldliness. And the very first pursuit that we see of the love of worldliness is back at the very first people in the book of Genesis, the very first time that people were tempted with a worldly pursuit. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, it says this, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Now this is very interesting. Notice here this is speaking of Eve, and, and we know the story, and, and the Satan, and the temptation that comes. But notice what's involved with this first sin. Eve, first, she saw that the fruit was good for food. She thought about how good the fruit would taste, how it would satisfy her flesh. She went after the lust of the flesh. Second, Eve saw that the forbidden fruit was pleasant to the eyes. How pretty it was, how, how desirable it was, how maybe artistic it looked. It was desirable to the eyes. She went after the lust of the eyes. Third, Eve saw that the forbidden fruit was desirable to make one wise. How smart it would make her. How wise it would make her. She went after the pride of life. So right there, the very first sin, the very first time someone was tempted with the sinful pursuit of the world, we see these three things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, all given over to and into, and the enemy really hasn't changed his tactics since then. It works, and it works great. He knows, I'll just go after the lust of your flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and one of those you're going to give into typically. One of those you're going to fall to, maybe all three of them, but that's how the world, it presents things that God says stay away from to us, and it presents it in a way that is appealing. Things are temptations to us because we want them. They appeal to our flesh. They appeal to our eyes. They appeal to our pride. If they didn't, they wouldn't be temptations. It'd be easy to say no to them. They're temptation because it appeals to those things in us, and that's why this battle for loving the things of the world is so difficult for us. And you see this all the time. I mean, you know, people who make lots of money through their products, they realize in advertisements, I'm going to appeal to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life in order to get people to buy my product. You know, I think beer commercials and, and beer companies, that they've mastered this. They have these beautiful models, drinking beer, great weather, wonderful locations. They look like they're having the most glorious time to sell their product. But notice that they never show someone vomiting because they had too much to drink or making fools of themselves because they're completely drunk. They don't show that. That's not appealing to the eye. The world appeals to our pride. Most advertising today does that. L'Oreal tells women, because you're worth it. Appeal to our pride. Oh, you're worth it. You deserve it. Come get this. You're so wonderful. Gillette says, the best a man can get. Wheaties, the breakfast of champions. You want to be a champion? Eat this. BMW, the ultimate driving machine, Office Max, relentless focus on you, Verizon, rule the air, Xbox 360, life is short, play more. Like everything uses this, hey, you're so great. I want to appeal to your pride so that you will buy our product. And guess what? It works. All those are, you know, top of their different genres of things that they sell. So we're being bombarded by slogans and advertisements that appeal to our flesh appeal to our eyes, appeal to our pride, and it works. I mean, this is why they make lots of money on us. So the love of God, the love of the world, they're not compatible. You can't love one and the other at the same time. But John also wants us to understand something else in verse 17 about the world. 
And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. The Greek word here translated passing away means something that will depart, go away, disappear, or expire. So John said, hey, the world, the pleasures, the lusts, the things that it can give to you, understand something about it, it's passing away. It's going to expire. It's temporal. So even if you do get some kind of benefit from it, it won't be lasting. But whatever this world has to offer, it is a temporal thing. Even the Bible says sin is pleasurable for a season. It is pleasurable. I mean, to, to deny that, to say, well, all sin is horrible and there's no pleasure to it, that's not true. If there was no pleasure to it, no one ever wanted to do it. No, it brings pleasure. The problem is it's short-lived. It brings pleasure, but it's only for a season. And then comes the consequences. Then comes the problems because you engaged in it. And that's what the enemy wants to keep us from thinking about. Oh, just think of the, the short-term pleasure. It's going to be so great in the moment. But what about what's coming? What about the consequences I'm going to have to deal with because of this moment of pleasure? They're not going to last. So we shouldn't invest in them. As the old saying goes, you never see a U-Haul following a hearst. You know, when you die, you can't take the things of this world with you. You don't get to load up a U-Haul and like, hey, all the stuff that I've invested in, all the things that I've bought, all the houses and the cars and whatever it is that I, I valued and loved, I'm going to take it with me to the next life. It doesn't work that way. The pharaohs in Egypt thought so. They built these huge, you know, graves where they put all this stuff. Even their wives, unfortunately for them, were killed and placed in there as well because they all thought, hey, I'm going to take all of this stuff, all this wealth with me to the next life. They were mistaken. It ended. All that stuff that they had was only for this life. Jesus says the same thing ultimately in Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy or where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is saying, where should you store up treasures? Should it be on earth or should it be in heaven? And he gives us a reason why it should be in heaven versus earth. Because on earth, guess what? Someone can take it. It could just rust and, you know, it's something that won't last. But in heaven, no one's going to steal it. It's going to last forever. And so one is temporal and can be taken. One is eternal and will last and never be taken. And Jesus is saying, when you weigh those out, where should you invest your treasures? Well, it means a wise person is going to invest it in eternity, in heaven. And the only way you can do that is to live for the things of God. But notice how Jesus ends. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And this just brings us back to where we started. How do we determine, how do we evaluate what we love? Where your treasure is, that's what you truly love, there your heart will be also, and it will be seen in your time. It will be seen in what you spend on. It will be seen in your talents and how you invest those, because what you truly treasure will be shown, your heart will be there your life will be given to it. It'll be seen in that. So if we treasure the things of God, it's going to be seen in our time. It's going to be seen in how we use our resources, the treasures that God has given us. It'll be seen in how we invest in the talents, how we use those for the glory of God. But you know what? If we have a love for the world, we're also going to see that there. The time that we give to those things, how we spend on those things, how we invest our talents for those things. 
The more you love the things of the world, the less you're going to love God. But the more you love God, the less you're going to love things of the world. And the challenge that I want to give us as we're looking at, you know, all these laws God's giving to the judges of Israel to judge them justly. It's like, you know what? Even better than being justly judged is not to be judged at all, to escape that because we're not doing those things. Well, what's going to help us obey God? What's going to help us not break his commandments? What we love is one of the big things. What you love has a huge impact on whether or not you obey. It's either going to help you obey God or it's going to hinder you from obedience to God based on if you love the world or the things of the world. And so realize that where you love, what you love has a huge, huge influence on one of the most important things there are, obedience. And Jesus says, you know what? If you love me, you want to show that? <laughs> doesn't say sing songs to me. If you love me, you want to show me that? He doesn't say read your Bible every day. If you love me, you want to show that? He doesn't say, you know, just evangelize all the time. You know, all those things are good, but ultimately he sums it up even more specifically. If you love me, obey my commandments. If you really love me, obey me. That's the way that I want you to show it. And so our love for God is going to be seen in our obedience, and our obedience is going to be demonstrated in our time. It's going to be demonstrated in our treasures. It's going to be demonstrated in our talents. And so is our disobedience. Our disobedience, by loving the things of the world, is also going to be seen in our time, in our treasures, in our talents. And so my challenge to myself, my challenge to you, is just take some time to evaluate your life. Be honest with yourself. Am I really loving God with my time? Am I giving him time? Am I giving him daily time? Or am I loving the world with my time? Am I spending my treasures on God and the things of God and the people of God? Or am I spending my treasures on the world and the things of this world? Am I giving and living my talents for God or for the things of this world? And maybe some areas are doing well, maybe some areas you're not. But whatever areas you're struggling with, I encourage you, take time to seek the Lord. Take time to ask him to help you change because he doesn't want you to stay in that place of disobedience or love for things that he tells you not to love. So any thoughts on what we looked at tonight?